Hello everyone and welcome. It is NBL Rewind as we get into another classic NBL game. You might have just watched it. If you haven't yet got involved at NBL, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on Twitch, NBL TV. Best ways as we look and we struggle through this isolation quarantine period, this weird place we are all in, we look back on the NBL Classics. 2004, Game 5, the Kings and the Razorbacks. We'll get to that very shortly. Hashtag NBL Rewind. Hello to you, Liam Santa Maria. Hello, Cam. Yeah, I enjoyed going back and watching this one. Uh, best grand final series of all time in the NBL. Let me lay that out there right from the start. That's, that's where I sit. Ebbs and flows and, um, of course, a miraculous finish to, to game five. 2004 NBL season, just quickly. A couple of interesting things happen. First, in, uh, New Zealand breakers. First time the breakers entered the NBL. It was also the first time the Cairns Taipans made the playoffs in 2004 and a big shout out. And uh, of course I bring up the hierarchy and the commissioners and the board and all the organizers of the NBL big shout out. They had some wildcard games. The top eight was a little bit different. Uh, the top two actually got, which was the Sydney Kings and the Wollongong Hawks actually got first couple of mini rounds off and they were single eliminations. It was five V eight, six V seven. Then when those games as a single elimination were done, three and four then hosted home court against what was five and six. And then we got to a best of three game semifinal series and then a best of five game grand final series. So to the 2004 governing body of the NBL, I salute you because uh, you're a little in front of me, but you know what? Wildcard games went nuts, if I remember correctly. Nice. Bring them back. Bring them back. The MVP, <laughs> we'll get into that in the actual grand final series because he did... Yeah play a pretty big part as well. What do you remember of the 04 season? Well, I, I, obviously it's the, the middle championship of, of the Kings three feet under Gorge, right? So, um, but it, this was a vastly different Sydney team to mm. what he took to the title the year before. You know, that was Shane Keel and Chris Williams, of course, Ben Melmoth, um, Hammer, Gary Budnikoff. Um, that was a team that Gorge didn't actually necessarily put together. Obviously, the Victoria Titans collapsing. He makes the late move to the Kings, takes over the team that was already pretty much in place. Whereas this was a chance for him to put his squad together and um, brought in you know a bunch of different guys and um, and got the job done. Obviously, CJ Bruton, a big element of that. Matt Nielsen um, was his season really. I mean, he was the leading scorer, the league MVP, Finals MVP. There was a period of time over the NBL at this, you know, during the, this decade where there were different guys who just owned the season, like Bryce Cotton, you know, leading scorer, MVP, grand final MVP, Sam McKinnon in 07, Chris Anstey in 08, Matt Nielsen this year was enormous. Um, this was the Stephen Black All-NBL first team mm -hmm. here. People forget how good he was 
at the level that he played. And um, he, he actually, those bullets that he was with, that, they nearly knocked these Kings out in the opening round. They went down, it was a sweep, mm-hmm. but that game one against Brisbane could have changed the entire complexion of these playoffs. But it didn't. <laughs> and they got swept, but they were a really good team. I, I do agree. And Stephen Black had an outstanding season. Joey Wright was, in fact, coach of the year that particular year as well at, at Brisbane as well. So, no doubt, Brisbane not far away. The Wollongong Hawks finished second and had home court advantage in a semi final against the Razorbacks, but the Razorbacks were able to sweep them as well. So, it led us to a five game grand final series. The two Sydney teams to go at it. Any last thoughts on anything else before we get into this game? Nope. Good to go. Hashtag NBL Rewind. The Kings and the Razorbacks. The Razorbacks actually let game four slip. They had a game at home. I'm going to go... I don't know we're going to blow the order out just a little bit, but I miss the pig pen. It could be the greatest name in the history of NBL nicknames of a stadium. They had a game at the pig pen, game four, to actually win the championship. Uh, the boys make a fair bit of the fact that Aaron Traher, zero at 10, didn't have a great shooting night in game four. And the... Kings were able to get over them with a five-point win and it led us into this. First thoughts from game five. Watching the game brought up a bunch of what-ifs mm. for me. You know, because this is a massive choke. This series and this game for the West Sydney Razorbacks, no doubt about it. And so I started thinking, well, what if that didn't happen? What if they were able to, what if they took game four at home um, or what if they were able to hold this enormous lead they had in, in game five? And I was looking at a couple of guys on this team, absolute legends of the league, greats of the league, mm-hmm. who never won a title. Retired, finished up in this league without that kind of silverware. Gordy McLeod, one. Simon Dwight, two. Um, these are, this is my kind of first thoughts. Obviously, you know, there's guys on this Kings team. Brett Wheeler won his first, you know, his, he broke through for his championship. Yeah. And, you know, there's guys who won multiple titles on this Kings team. But for me, it was the what if of, of especially Gordy McLeod, Simon Dwight, the West Sydney Razorbacks as a franchise, this was the championship they should have won. But Ebi <laughs> ripped it away from them. I... I agree with what you're saying. And that's a thought that went through mine. The, the first thought that comes to my mind and considering the situation we are currently in, and we have spoken about this on NBL overtime and it's a possible moving beast going forward. This is an all Aussie lineup. Yes. Like Matty Walsh put it obviously out there a couple of days ago in New Zealand with Mark yep. Hinton. We discussed it on NBL overtime. We have maybe the possibility, you know, Jock Landales, Brokoffs, these type of high level European guys at a minimum may have to play here due to travel restrictions, maybe no imports, as I said, moving beasts. But this team didn't go particularly deep. Now, Scott McGregor was injured for the grand final series, so that was another all-Aussie dude that had a pretty good NBL career that wasn't a part of it. They were fun to watch, and they were just chock block of, as you touch on, legends, some won championships, Sam McKinnon, John Riley in particular, and Aaron Traher early. But there was an all-Aussie team that was extremely fun to watch and one that we might see a little bit of in NBL 21. With two of a couple of guys who were some of my favorite players to watch, mm. just because they were ballers and they had some flair to their game. Traher, yeah. of course, who we're going to talk more of, about. Yes, we are. Um, and also, John Riley. Mm. I mean, he didn't have his best game. He, they, he threatened in the fourth quarter of this yeah. game to blow this thing apart and win the championship for the Razorbacks. Didn't play out that way. But that's a guy who was so fun to watch and had such a great career in this league. 
you mentioned that the, the fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter for John really was huge. And he, and, and this is the thing that struck me as well. Sydney started horribly, horribly, couldn't make a foul shot for most of the night and found themselves able to fight their way back into it close enough, if good enough, within reach, all the cliches. And Sydney, West Sydney, every single time there was an opportunity where Sydney, you just felt the momentum was swinging. They were able to turn it around. Yep. Late in the second quarter, they were able to get out to a fairly decent lead. Luke Martin hits that three right on half time and, and, and gives a little bit of momentum to Sydney. And then again, early in the fourth, they're right there. And then John Rilly's like, I've had a shocking night. <laughs> he had 31 in game four. Yep. And he threatened just for a couple of minutes to again blow the lead back out. So it wasn't like West Sydney had this big lead. Sydney come flying home, went over the top of them one by 11. It was a few different times where Sydney were able to say, hey, you know what? On a different player's back, we're jumping on and we're able to get the lead back again. And that's, that's why this game is so full of intrigue and drama. Yeah. The other thing I, that, uh, you know, just going back to kind of first thoughts about this game, something that hung with me re-watching it, was this was an ultimate Brian Gorgian win. Mm-hmm. A beautifully coached game, and it was kind of typical of his coaching style. Obviously, man, as a player, I find I always find this funny. As a player, he was a shooter; he would jack it up and let that thing fly. And then, as a coach, he was a defensive-minded, grinded-out guy. And uh, this was a slog of a series in that regard. Neither team was really able to get flowing at any point. And um, one of one of Gorge's favorite lines as a coach has always been, "Stay with the grind." And his teams were like that. You think of the Southeast Melbourne Magic going up against the, the high-scoring Melbourne Tigers. We watched his, in Rewind a few weeks ago, his Spectres mm-hmm. trying to stay with the grind and get their way back into a grand final deciding game against the Wildcats. This was him doing exactly that once again and it coming to fruition. Telling his guys, stay with the grind. Keep getting stops. We'll get out and get flowing and things will start working for us. And it did. And it was, uh, you know, one of many masterful coaching performances by Gorge over his six-time championship-winning NBL career. And we spoke about this on NBL Overtime. And yet again, sign of the times we are in, all Aussie lineups, maybe shortening the, the players and the slots on each team or, or all the rotations. Interesting watching this back. I think that has got tired, the Razorbacks. They, they weren't very deep, in particular without McGregor, who was a critical player that obviously didn't play in this series. And when the situation came down to it the last three or four minutes, when they had to somehow just conjure up almost one play, they, they, it just felt like Traher missed a, a little layup. Then Dwight missed one like about a minute later. I think they had a seven-point lead at the time. Yeah. They didn't, didn't score. Simon Dwight hits a three, three and a half to go. They're up seven, straight on three. Gordy McLeod's going nuts <laughs> on the sideline. And it just felt like, They've broken their back. They don't score again for the rest of the game and Man. therefore the rest of the season. But they just got tired. And I thought to myself, I'm always, I'm always someone who's like three minutes into a game while we're making subs, which is not something we've seen a great deal from right. this particular team. That's what I want to see now. In a 40-minute game, this particular unit would be a champion. And that's what I look at yeah. to translate in NBL 21. They got tired late. That extra eight minutes, which was the way of the NBL at the time, probably hurt the Razorbacks more than any other team I can think of in NBL history because they just run out of steam. And then when NBRR went nuts, yeah, they just couldn't conjure up that one move. Maybe. The thing I would say against that, though, yes, they went 0 of 10 down that stretch. Even watching the game back, knowing what happened, when Simon Dwight hits yeah. that three with a little over three minutes to go, they go up, I think it's 79-72. That's it. I'm legit watching it going... Mm-hmm. 
No, that they surely they can't lose from here. And of course, we we know what plays out. But it's not like they weren't getting good looks. It wasn't like they weren't able to execute and get good. They were getting to the rim, like you say, missing bunnies at the rim. They were getting good looks from from the perimeter. They weren't all just falling short. They were just they were just off. They just missed. And down the other end, they weren't just getting blasted by or giving up layups in transition, not getting back. They, you know, Ebi Arad just kind of shook loose and hit some shots from the perimeter that that they had missed over the course of the game. Um, for me, it was just one of those magical moments in basketball where we talk about it as a game of runs and they just put it together at the death and ran over them. You mentioned that Gores stay with the grind and Casey Carfino and Gaze, three of the great, you know, greats of NBL and, and commentary who do a wonderful job as well as I do now, in particular, John Casey and Andrew Gaze, who's a huge part of it still. They were brilliant then as oh well. Oh my God. I want to mention I it. I want to come back to that in a sec. <laughs> they, they mention... Awesome. They mentioned so much early and it's so right. It feels like the Kings are 25 down. Like yes. halfway through the second quarter, their body language, yeah. the crowd, Sydney Entertainment Center, a really cool place to watch basketball live. I love kudos, but you know, watching it again on TV, it was a special place to watch hoops. But you just feel like you're right. You look at the scoreboard and they're 10 or 12 down and you're like, okay, yeah. It feels like they're 25 or 30 down. And that's what it was so weird that they were able to yeah. stay close enough because the scoreboard is obviously telling us one thing, but the actual body language and the way you just don't believe they can conjure up what ended up being an 18-0 run to steal the championship. Yeah. You just don't think for the first 44 minutes of this game that it can possibly happen. You're right. And those, those guys were on point on this call. Obviously, Casey yeah. just doing his thing. He was sensational. But, but Drewy and Carfino mm-hmm. killed it in this game. And watching it back, the dramatic irony of so much of what they said, it was like I mean, Drew told me a story uh, recently about a, an international game. I think it was like a, a warm-up game for the Boomers ahead of a campaign, an Olympic or a World Cup campaign. I like where this is going. Lithuania or somewhere where he was calling it from like a hub in Sydney or Fox Sports Hub, but the game had already happened a couple of hours, <laughs> a couple of hours earlier, and so they had to kind of call the game as if they didn't know what happened. But he said, "I couldn't help every now and then just being like, oh, I tell you what." Feels like Dante's going to get a couple of buckets, <laughs> and then he get, and it felt like watching yeah. this game back, like they had that here because Carfino was, um, like for instance, he's like, "Geez, you really feel like maybe it's Luke Martin time to come in and mm. and and guard Stephen Markovic." Bam, Martin's mm. on the floor. Um, Drew is that uh, they make a couple of comments like, "You can't help but feel like the Western Razorbacks have given their best shot." They don't score again for the rest again. of the game. And um, some of those points they made, it was like they had a crystal ball on how it was going to play out. And um, they nailed that call. Let's talk about Aaron Traher. Please. Because you... Take me so back gro- to my childhood. Well, this is... Growing up, yep. I wore number 10. And if un- number 10 was unavailable for some reason, I wore a for Andrew Gaze. And if it was unavailable, I wore 13 for Aaron Traher. Is that right? I love okay. the way that he went about it. He's laconic yep. at different times. And this couldn't be any further from the truth, probably. But it looked like he wasn't overly phased about if the shot went in or not. 
He loved a jacket. He went zero at 10 in game four, still took 25 shots yeah. in game five and came out with the utmost confidence, went straight to the rim, was posting CJ Bruton early, shot one of the worst threes of all time about a minute in, where Casey says, any confidence he got from that first shot, it's gone now. And I just, Which is I, so not true with Aaron Trahir at all. Exactly. But he I, went on to make that point again later. Yeah. And, and, and the fact is, too, that, you know, obviously part, him and Bruton, who came into that Wildcats, um, team in the, the mid-90s won a championship and then took some cash, you know, took cash to go to Sydney and then bounced around. It was at Cairns and ends up at yes. Razorbacks and fitted perfectly into this team. I love the way he went about it and I love the fact that even though they went down, the conscience or lack therefore of, of him are really at different times. Markovic took some interesting shots as well at different times in the game. But I'm a huge Aaron Trujillo fan and right. uh, while it didn't work out the way, he had a wonderful career and it was good to see him go about it. And the frosted tips are something that I did occasionally dabble in until, uh, well, until about a year ago. And I'm thinking about bringing them back, Liam, to be honest. Right, so um, I realized how good they look. Thank you, Aaron. And I'll probably get back into the uh, hairdresser salon we're allowed to be in the next couple of months. That would be ill-advised. Um, <laughs> Traher and I both were Melbourne Tigers juniors mm-hmm. growing up. He was obviously a few years ahead of me. And every, uh, I mean, every couple of weeks we would have home games where we'd play Albert Park Court 1. I'd play under 12s, under Ken Watson at like 5.50 Friday night. I would stick around. My brothers would play on the, on the other courts at Albert Park. I would sit there on Court 1 late into every, those Friday nights to watch Aaron Traher, just to watch him go about it. And um, he's, he's one of the great unfulfilled talents of NBL history because despite having playing for so long in the NBL, putting up big numbers, he has the leading scorer for their team in this game. He never became as good as he could have become. So do you, do you mean boomer representation, like senior no boomers? hundred percent. Okay. He could because, have been that guy for sure. Yeah, he, um, and he never really, he never really kind of, you know, the work ethic or whatever it was, it, it never kind of got to that point. I got a great Aaron Traher story. The 2001-02 season with the Titans we got, we play the Taipans in the Ken's Convention Center. We go out there, no, we beat, uh, we beat them. Yeah, we Gilligan's? beat them. Gilligan's? Uh, I think so. Yeah, we're, so we're out. And um, he is kind of like the leading scorer, the best player for the Taipans that season. And we're hanging the, at the bar and um, the Taipans there include, and Aaron Traher comes up and starts hanging, you know, he's chatting with Anstey and um, Jason Smith and the guys hanging with the Titans. And one of the locals from Cairns comes up and he's a bit drunk and he's like, Oh, Hey, I know you like you're, you're the, one of the, you're the Taipans. And Traher's like, no man, we're the Titans. Those tight ends losers are down the back. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And, 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 that's how, and, and I think a lot of that nature, what you just spoke of there, came out in the way that he played his basketball. Yeah. He was Jeffrey. laconic, but he sort of went about it. Also, still to this day, hit the greatest buzzer beater I've seen live in that 23 and under semifinal against Argentina. Yeah. Well, they look gone. You know, Manu Ginobili was part of that team. Uh, Lucas Victoriano, which was, who was unstoppable on that night, yeah. but then hits that three on the buzzer to put him into that gold medal game, which they ultimately won by beating Puerto Rico a couple, one night or two nights later. But yeah, the greatest buzzer beater I've seen live. I, yeah. I'm guessing you were probably there as well because it was in Melbourne yeah. and as basketball fans growing up, it was some of the funnest two weeks of all time. But yeah, huge a bunch of guys from that team put, playing together for the Razorbacks. Up. Yeah, mm-hmm. White and McKinnon and... And all those guys. Um, let's talk about some unsung heroes. Hit me. Luke Martin. Mm. 
Now, I tell you what, I mean, he came in in that second quarter to guard Stevie Markovic, who was having an impact. Things didn't go right. First couple of plays, gorge timeout, choose him out. Get stuck in. So I put you in the game. That was a crummy possession, blah, blah, blah. Uh, comes out, has a real impact. Picks up the tempo, gets things going. Um, they go into the half, what, 12, 13 down? Would have been much worse. Mm-hmm. And maybe they might never have come back had he not been big in that second quarter. And the other one, of course, Brett Wheeler. Huge. Shout out to Wheels. One of my favorite teammates of all time. Big time off the bench. Was enormous in game four. 15 rebounds, a bunch of blocks. And breaking through for his first title after so many um, missed chances in grand finals. Um, you, those who were watching the NBL closely this season would have <laughs> yes. seen a picture of him behind us in the, in the hub. Um, and he, just a great dude. And you could see how much it meant, I mean, meant for his teammates, for him to win that game and for him to come out and play so well. Double, mm-hmm. Big double-double in the deciding game. Um, massive. Uns- Everyone remembers this championship for Ebiara. Brett Wheeler was huge in this game. Ends up winning two as well. He's part of the team the year later as well. Eight grand finals that he participated in and was a huge part. I think, you know, obviously his first grand final was the game we did NBL Rewind last week mm-hmm. against North Melbourne when he was a part of the Adelaide team and then bounced around and finally got that championship. So any other unsung heroes before we get to things we missed, which we're going to combine into a couple of different Actually, avenues. You know what? Yeah. Chris Carrowell. Mm. Didn't fill the box score. Mm-hmm. but was enormous for this team. And I tapped into a guy, you might have, not, you might have noticed him during the, uh, I think you met him, I introduced you to him at Summerlee, Shenton Way, mm-hmm. who is now an advanced scout for the Utah Jazz. He was part of the coaching staff for the Sydney Kings this season. I tapped into him the other day about um, this game and this team and whatnot. And he sent me this, I'm going to read this text. He said, Chris Carrowell saved our season in game one of the semifinals against Brisbane. So we might, it's a great story. We might have been down 26 at the half at, the, at home. Rucker and Stephen Black were hitting everything that first half. Chris walked off the court at halftime, shaking his head, talking to himself. Then he walked into the locker room. So the coaches go into another room. This guy, Shenton Wade, had a torn ACL at the time. So he went straight into the locker room with the players. And he goes, Chris ripped the team for being soft and other swear words I can't remember. He'd never spoken up before this game. Everyone was in stunned silence. Only Nelly spoke up, but was in support of Chris. He said, the team walked out after Gorge spoke and we won the game. Gorge never knew about the speech. He said it was the most inspirational and motivational use of swear words I've ever heard live. And it worked. And he was big in this game too, game five. Not, as I said, not um, lighting up the box score, but uh, as a stopper and just a guy who was reliable, you could play a bunch of minutes and get the job done. A big-time college player, of course, at the University of Duke before ending up here at the Sydney Kings as well as bouncing around other international leagues. And I think that's where he's right now. He's the assistant coach yes. at the University of Duke as it stands. Obviously, we're looking at a little March Madness, but didn't quite work out the way it is. All right. I'm going to straight up. Things we missed is going to be combined just a little bit because there's a couple of players we need to spend more time on. We're going to start with Matt Nielsen, who was the MVP regular season, finals MVP, was of course all star five obviously and then had you know a really good series 14 and 11 in this particular game going back and looking at the stats we we remember him so particularly well and of course has been a part of you know the perth wildcats the last couple of not this year but the year before as a assistant coach 
I didn't realize how much time he spent high level quality European seasons. And that's something that I miss a little bit. The fact is that we probably missed a decade of Matt Nielsen being maybe, maybe one of the greats ever. Like he is one of the greats, but having one of the great NBL careers because he spent so much time overseas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Dave Anderson in that in that mm. regard, sure. But um, Nally falls in to that category as well. Right now, with the he's gone back with the Spurs. Mm-hmm. He's with the Austin Spurs in the G League. Um, top bloke, and as I said earlier, he he absolutely dominated this season. Um, John Relly. Mm. I miss John Relly. Mm-hmm. In fact, we need to get John Relly back in the NBL. Matt Nielsen's going to be a head coach in this in the NBL at some point, I mm-hmm. believe. I think John Relly should be too. Well, spent a lot of time coaching in the States now um, at Boise State and the like. Now he's at UC Santa Barbara. And just as a, as a personality, he's a big personality. And um, I miss him in this league. We, we've got to get him back coaching well, this league. We've got a new franchise. Now, clearly, as we touched on with the times we're in, and we keep saying it, but the unprecedented times, there's a little bit of you know, worry there, maybe pushed back a year. But we've got a new franchise coming in. It'd be perfect for John really to slot right in as a head coach of, of that Tasmanian team mm. and, and lead from the front and, and put mm. together. We touched on it earlier. That was such an ex- the way they played their basketball as well, this particular group of Razorbacks, even though it didn't get them a championship. It was mm. a fun way to play. They pushed it. They backed themselves in. They didn't have a great deal of conscience and they enjoyed the way they went about it. And the way that John really played fitted the mold beautifully. And he does similar as a coach. He'd be a good starting point to at least ask the question about the Tasmania franchise next year or two. I agree. I'm going to start talking about Ebira. Yeah, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned it before I let you lose. You mentioned Man. it before. Watching back, Dwight hits a three. There's mm. 3.34 on the clock. It's a straight on three. He's wide open. 79-72. Gordy McLeod's losing his mind. You can almost hear a pin drop in the Sydney Entertainment Centre. And then Ebira said, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. And he just went bang. Yeah. Interesting little tidbit about Ebi Ra this season. Um, earlier in the year, Gorge didn't play him in crunch time. Didn't think he was maybe a good enough defender or I don't know who he was playing instead. They had to have a meeting midway through this year where Ebi was like, I want to play down the stretch. I want to play at the end of games. Um, I've heard him tell a story where he's like, um, I... After we had that meeting, Gorge then put me in in a blowout win at the end of the game when all the best players are sitting at the bench. Hey, so it, was- the, hey, it is only one thing worse than not being given the confidence to play crunch time. It's when you're 35 up and it's a yep. blowout and you get the tap on the shoulder. And believe me, that was my time to shine, but probably no one in every should have been on the bar. For real. But then they got to a point where in this game, I mean, and, then, and he also has spoken about how... Um, you know, midway through this series, he was like, I've, we've got this. I've got this. We're going to win. We're going to win this series. And um, it, that was another thing that, that Carfino said during the call. I think it was Carfino said, um, you just get the feeling something's going to open up. Shot makers are going to start to make shots. They thought it was going to be John Rilly. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, he hit a couple. But then it was Ebby in a massive way. And he absolutely caught fire. I can remember just losing my biscuits in my lounge room as this game just changed on its head. You're yeah. watching it and you think, West Indies in control, whackity whack whack, Ebby's standing there clapping, timeout Gordy. they're in the lead. Mm. And all of a sudden, there's just not enough time 
uh, CJ comes out, lay up, free throws, free throws, free throws. This thing's over. Over. And on the back of this, Ebby Ara, one and a half minute offensive explosion. And they win by 11. It's a double digit win. So if you're watching, or you haven't watched, or you're listening, or you haven't watched the game, or you have no idea how it plays out, they win like. You'd be stunned. If you just looked at the box score, you just looked at the score, 90-79. Oh, you know what? Feels like a pretty good game. Right. Sydney, you know, top of, you know, minor premiers playing at home. Yeah, they get the win. Evia was great. Nielsen was there. Cool. It, it is remarkable. And yeah. you mentioned it earlier, game of runs, the timing of the runs too. Had that run have been at the end of the third quarter, right? it would have been a totally, well, maybe not. Maybe the Kings still win a championship. But if they go from seven down, maybe the second quarter to leading by 11 at the half. Yeah. You talk about what ifs. It's just, just the timing of it because you mentioned by the time West Sydney were able to work out what the hell was going on yes. and try and stop some of the bleeding, they're cutting the nets. Yeah. And yeah. really in McKinnon and Dwight are sitting on the bench with their shoes off watching the other crew get their rings thinking, yeah. what the bloody hell just happened? Because yeah. it literally was three minutes 34 seconds, Dwight hits a three. This thing's done. All of a sudden, Ebiara, Matt Nielsen and the crew are hitting the Darling Harbour or wherever they were partying that, well, probably for next month, with the championship. Yeah. I mean, we, we talk about John Robertson and what he did this, <laughs> with his offensive explosion that turned that game. This one, considering it, the, the situation, the moment, this to me is probably the, uh, the greatest catch-fire moment in NBL history. Yeah. Because it's not just a big shot. Guys have hit big shots that have won, won titles and won series and the like. This was a, just a 90 seconds or so of absolutely catching fire, knocking everything down, turning a deciding game five, the first game five in NBL history for a grand final, on its head, winning the title. A thing that, I mean, he doesn't hit those shots. There's no Sydney three-peat. No, there's not. There's, I mean, you, you think about all those what ifs, it, it goes in a completely different direction. But he caught fire, won them the title. And it is totally different to how the rest of the game played out, as, as you touched on. No one really shot well. You, mm. you mentioned Carfino's comments where it just feels it might open up. West Sydney shot 36% from the field, 38% for Sydney. They both shot fairly horribly from the three-point line. And it just got turned on its head with something that was totally different. West Sydney didn't lead by 17 because they just shot the absolute hell out of the ball. They ran, they got some good looks. They did hit some threes, but it wasn't like they were pure shooting where Traher, Traher I think was zipper six from the three-point line. Yep. Really couldn't hit a thing in the first two and a half, three quarters. So mm. what Ebiara did was totally unique for what the rest of the game was. Mm. Yep. And goes down in the annals of NBL history as um, one of the greatest performances. It's not like, you know, he didn't put 40 on the board, but that no, section mm -hmm. of the game of that massive moment, he was all time. I miss, and I mentioned this earlier a little bit, I just miss being able to call a sporting team the pigs. <laughs> like, like, and that's, I'm not having to go, I love watching this crew play yeah. and I love you know, West Sydney Razorbacks, but like, just, ah, here come the pigs. And, and it just fitted so nicely. I liked the uniform. I liked the Razorbacks. Yeah. I never went to the home court of the West Sydney Razorbacks. Uh, you probably had ventured in a couple of times, but I'd never been there. It was a little bit different to Sydney Entertainment Centre. But it just seemed like it was a cool franchise. They played the few grand cool finals. Franchise. And just calling them the Pigs just felt kind of cool. So I missed that. <laughs> and I know that it's hard. But we still, as I touched on, we've got a new franchise coming in. 
I'm not saying we should call them the pigs, but if we can find something as mm. fun to be able to refer to them when Tassie come in, I think it'll add a little bit extra to the team. Uh, speaking of their home court, mm-hmm. something for beyond the box score. Are we there yet? Ready? Yeah, for- we're there. I think. Hang on. Well, I, I, I miss a little bit of the lack of the conscience that this team had. They just let the thing fly, which is how I like my basketball being. Right, right. Hit right. me beyond the box score. Jason Kiddie <laughs> was a floor wiper during <laughs> yes, this series. Yes, yes. The home games, game two and game four mm-hmm. for the West Sydney Razorbacks, Jason Kiddie was the floor wiper. And this is a heartbreaker for, for him. I tweeted that, sort of a, uh, that we were doing this game for NBL Rewind yesterday, and he instantly tweets back that some, some crying emojis because, you know, his dad's the GM of the team. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he was a, a, a Razorbacks kid. And um, I imagine watching this fourth quarter collapse mm. would be difficult be for him. Big shout out because we know that he's watching it as well. Hashtag NBL Rewind, Jace, to get involved. I, I, I miss Beyond the Box score. It just really rams home how cool two teams from the same city playing in a big sport yeah. final is. And we, we, look, I, I've said this, uh, I think you agree, but we've definitely spoken about the fact that essentially that Melbourne and Sydney, United and Kings, I think is the number one summer rivalry in Australian sport. A lot of that is stemmed by the fact that their owners and, and key people are... Uh, public persona and the fact they go about it. And I think it adds to it. Uh, the Wildcats, of course, and the Kings, I, there are big rivalries, but anytime, you know, we're seeing it with the Dragons and, and the Tigers back in that grand final series and this particular grand final series a little before and going back deep into the nineties when it happened with some Melbourne teams, when we see two teams from the same city playing for a trophy, knowing that someone's going to step off a court with it and the other ones are going to have to kind of go have a, a sulky drink to try and, then watch them celebrate right in their own backyard. I think it just adds a little bit extra. And I do miss and be on the box score a little bit of that. And we've got Phoenix, obviously, who are in there now. And, and hopefully, as the NBL expands in the next you know, decade or so, we can see a little more of this happen and play huge finals. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there were a, a good representative uh, representation of Pigs fans in that arena that yeah. night. Mm-hmm. I think it was probably about 65, 35 mm-hmm. Kings fans. So... No, it's a good call. And hopefully we get to see more of those over the, over the journey. All right, hashtag NBL Rewind. Have you got any where are they now? Or do we need There's to a ask a bunch of out interesting there? ones in this Hit game? Hit me. Hit me. Obviously, we're talking about John Riley and, and Carowell as um, assistant coaches in the, in the NCAA. David Stiff, done a lot of work in, uh, for the Magpies as oh, a good, yes. team psych. Mm-hmm. But um, now as a part of the Players Association, mm. he, uh, um, as a in that kind of role. Um, Sam, uh, Sam McKinnon and CJ Bruden, both assistant coaches at the Bullets. Matt Nielsen, we mentioned the Austin Spurs. Um, it'd be a Raz in insurance now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After, uh, yeah, we remember him for the 36ers a couple of years ago, that 15-16 that yeah. season. Shocked us all. Um, <laughs> and, and now, I mean, he's in lockdown right now with his yeah. teenagers, but, um, but no, he's in insurance now. All right. Just before Aaron Andrew here was, uh, he was in the state league for a little while in Western Australia as a coach as well. So I'm going to, if anyone's got some Aaron Traher, where is he now? I don't think we should get him at some point. He's coaching. He's yeah. still coaching. Is he the yeah. manager? Yeah. He was coaching manager for a little bit in yes. the magic. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Still there. Right. Big shout out to Traher who I love. Now I just want to make a shout out. I want to throw a yeah. shout out to Luke Martin as well. Okay. So, you know, shout out to you. Absolutely. We killed it in this game mm-hmm. and um, you know, hope, hope all gone well. No doubt. Now, I just want to make, I should have mentioned this at the start. Anything else to wrap up on the game before I mention something? 
Nope. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, what I love to do here is we go back. I should have put this in the things you miss. Things that have happened in this game or in the season that I think should come back. And in 2004, we had player and coach of the month. Hmm. I, I think like it's that. time. I think it's time for the NBL to, to recognize another interesting conversation. We've got the depth of players. We're going to have 10 teams sooner rather than later. So there's, there's a nice little bit of tidbit there that, that happened in the past. And I think you'd like to see it go again. There you go. NBL player and coach of the month. And I don't think there'd be anyone who'd be against that. I can take it or leave it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I'm trying to recognize you know, the players sure. we love to play and hey. watch. If it's very important to you, I'll back it in. What do you like more, that or the chain net idea? Neither. There you go. Hashtag NBL Rewind. We are done. If you haven't yet seen the game, jump on NBL Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, NBL TV. Check it all out. And if you've got any suggestions of what we want to do next week, what we should watch all together and talk about, let us know at NBL. Hashtag NBL Rewind. Got a shout out. Brett Rainbow, who uh, was at the Tigers, was a teammate of mine. He thinks... And he actually posted this to his own social media this week. He thinks we should go back and review his three dunk comps that he won. (laughs) We should do that. Yeah. And having played with him for the better part of a decade, we should definitely include him because he has much different views on certain things about dunk comps and how much he should have played compared to how much he did. (laughs) Played by an Andrew Gaze, Ray, man. I'm telling you right now, it's hard to get a spot. But I will say this. He should not have won one of those dunk comps. Oh, no, I, I, what you think that he? Man's not going to be happy with that. No, he's not. But we've had this discussion before. Telford, Trimmingham, you know, Murrow, Donaldson, the best dunkers of all time. And Rainman puts on a see-through blindfold and wins a dunk comp. Give me a spell. It's a big shout out to <laughs> El McFeast. We're out of here. Anyway, El McFeast was that gave him the ten and he won it. That's a long story, but we'll get him to talk about it. All right, hashtag NBL Rewind. See you next week, brother. Catch you, man.